Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so glad that you're here with us today. What a wonderful week it's been this last week. We've had a, a baptism. We've had some uh, new members. Um, but also, we've just seen the church be the church. We saw that at Amen when you came out and, and helped those in need. We also saw it on Saturday for those of you who came out and helped um, Connor and Leah move. And so we're, we're grateful for that and just grateful for the many ways that this congregation has an impact, not only among this body, but in this community as well. So we're wrapping up a series on grace next week or next, uh, beginning next week and all next month. We'll be focusing on missions. We'll hear various lessons on missions from uh, myself and, and others as well, from missionaries who are coming in. Uh, next Sunday, Riley Watkins will be with us, and uh, y'all have gotten to know Riley and Brennan. We're so grateful they're a part of this congregation. Uh, they're at camp right now. They've been doing camp for the last couple of weeks, and uh, we actually have some of our members who will be going down today to start a new camp, and so uh, be praying for Camp Oak Haven, and be sure to be here next Sunday and hear the message that Riley delivers. We want to begin this morning with this verse, which I said should be our focus verse as we begin to contemplate grace. I love what it says here in Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. We need grace. We need God's grace, because without God's grace, we are lost. And, and not only that, we need to embody grace, because if we don't, we're going to become bitter. Without grace, hatred and anger will grow in our hearts. We will become defiled, as this verse talks about, and, and will not be useful to God in his mission. We need to practice grace. We live in a lost world. And we need to respond to this world the very same way that Jesus did. This familiar verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The world needs grace, and it's our mission as the body of Christ, to be gracious in a graceless world. We are to be the salt of the earth. We are to be a light in the darkness. And if we are not interjecting grace into the world, then the world will only grow more and more graceless. So see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. You know, over the last few weeks, we've seen how grace is found throughout all the Bible. It's found in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's found in the stories of Jesus, and it's found in the letters of Paul. And so grace touches every page of Scripture. We have seen how God bestows grace upon us as his people. And therefore, we are to take this grace to the world. 
And so before we conclude this series, I'd like us to look at one more aspect of grace. And we're going to begin the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to back up a few verses from where Jackson just read this morning and read, a, read another famous passage from this sermon. It says here, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, Do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. We know this passage. We understand it as a passage where, where Jesus is telling us what to do. And so rather than seek vengeance for ourselves, we are to do good. We are not to respond in kind when people do evil to us. We are to instead respond with goodness. And all of this is true. But what if there is more? And this is what I want to suggest this morning. So not only is this passage uh, concerned with how we are to respond to evil and wrongdoing, but it also wants to transform how we see the world. And so Jesus begins with this quotation from the Old Testament. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This is a principle of justice. And it's not about what punishment is acceptable. It's about ensuring wrongs don't escalate to something bigger. It's like when my brother and I were kids, and if my brother hit me, then I was going to hit him back harder than he hit me. And this would just go on and on and on until my mom would step in and, and stop it and say, you, you boys quit it. The principle of an eye for an eye is about putting a stop to this escalating behavior. It's about treating one another justly. And, and it is a good principle. But Jesus acknowledges here that we do not live in a just world. And so therefore, we are to act differently. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him take your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. We are not to treat people as they deserve. We are to treat people better than they deserve. And so rather than act justly, we are to act graciously. We are to go beyond justice. And these are not simply ways we act. These are ways that we see the world. And so what will happen if we see every situation and every relationship through the lens of justice? What will happen if we expect every situation to be completely fair? What will happen is we will be continuously disappointed. We will become bitter, as our focus verse suggests. Why? 
Well, because life is unfair. Life is unjust. And if we try to make everything fair, every situation, every relationship, we're just going to stay frustrated. Okay? This outlook on life is not just about living in an unjust world. It's also about how we interact with and how we treat those who are closest to us. You know, we would love for the world to act justly, but it's not going to happen. But think about our closest relationships. How should we see our relationship with our spouse? How should we see our relationship with our children? And this is something that we should think about. What kind of marriage will you have if you always keep count? What will your marriage be like if you get to the end of the week and you just try to balance the skills? You add up everything that you've done all week and everything that your spouse has done all week and you just try to make it even. And maybe you determine, well, you know what? I've done 10 hours of work around the house this week and and your spouse has only done five hours of work. So guess what? I'm just going to take tomorrow off. I'm just going to sit in front of the TV while you just catch up on your hours. (laughs) How's that going to work out? What if you say to your eight-year-old, you know what? You're just not pulling your weight around here. I think you need to go out and get a job and contribute to this family. It's only fair. It's only just. We understand that viewing our marriage or viewing our relationship with our children through the lens of justice will not work. Ephesians 5 tells us that husbands are to sacrifice for their wives. And so marriage is not a system of justice. It is a system of giving, a system of grace. In in some translations of 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, it says love is described as not keeping a record of wrongs. Another way to put that is love does not keep count. Because that's how relationships work. That's how marriages work. That's how families work. It's how friendships work. If you always keep count, you're not going to have any friends. If you always keep count, your relationships are going to begin to dissolve. And so rather than see the world and our relationships through the the lens of justice, how are we to see them? What does Jesus say? Jesus says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Don't keep count. Go the extra mile. Treat others better than they deserve. Shower them with grace. And this is how we are to see the world. We should not be surprised when things are not fair. We should not be surprised when the world acts unjustly. We should expect it, and then we should respond with grace. And the same is true of our relationships. Maybe we should not expect our relationships to be unjust. We should strive and hope for equality within our relationships. 
but we should not go around keeping count because love is sacrifice. Love is not a set of scales. It is a continuing giving of oneself to another. And you know what? This is not the only time that that Jesus touches on this principle. In the Gospel of Luke, he puts flesh and and bones on this principle, and he tells a story where we clearly see the ramifications of such a principle. And so how are we to see the world? How are we to view our relationships? Should it be through the lens of justice or through the lens of grace? Well, listen to this story, one that you've heard multiple times before in your life, but listen to it again with this question in mind. And he said there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who, went, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now, the story could have ended there, but it doesn't. It goes on. Now, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. 
Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now this is a powerful account on on many levels. We've heard it all before, but it still just pulls at your heartstrings. It's a story that reveals to us who God is, but it also does more than this. It's a story about choices. How will we choose to live in this world? How will we choose to relate to one another? How will we choose to see? Will we follow the example of the Father who chose grace? Or will we follow the example of the older brother who chose justice and became bitter. We look at this story, we must not easily dismiss the older brother. He has a point. Everything that he says is true. He has served his father faithfully. He has worked hard for years. He has been loyal and true. His brother, on the other hand, has wasted the family's inheritance on prostitutes. Now, if you're viewing this story through the lens of what is fair, it's the older brother who deserves the party. Because he has done what is right. And this is the way that he sees things. And so instead of rejoicing with his brother and father, he grows bitter and angry. And this is what seeing our relationships through this kind of lens does. It does not lead to flourishing. It destroys the relationships that we have. You are not told how this story ends. It's possible that the older brother never spoke to his father or his brother again. These things happen in our world. We we know people who have ended relationships because they, they didn't believe that they were treated fairly. We know people who walk around all the time with just bitterness and anger in their hearts. And they're upset at others. They're upset at the world. They see themselves as the victim and they cannot get past it. Well, Jesus invites us to see the world and our relationships in a different way. Will every situation be fair? Not at all. Will our relationships always be what they should be? No. This is life. Get used to it. We can either choose to look at things through the lens of fairness and always be upset. The the, the scales will rarely be balanced. Or we can choose grace. We can accept that everything is not fair. 
Everything is not as it should be. But we can respond with grace. And grace is not just for the world and the people around us. Grace is for us as well. You see, when we respond gracefully, we experience joy. And we experience contentment. We acknowledge that there are many things that are just out of our control. And so we leave them to God. And grace keeps us from being defiled by bitterness. Grace keeps us from being eaten up with anger. Grace keeps us from the burden of comparison and always keeping count. The way of grace leads to life. It leads to flourishing. It's how we are to live. The story of the prodigal son does not have an ending because it is meant for us. We're given two choices. And we see what those choices are, and we see what they will do to us. And it's up to us to choose how the story ends. Will we live like the gracious father? Or will we live like the older brother who wants everything to be fair? The choice is ours. And we encounter situations every day where we must choose one or the other. How will we respond? What will we choose? I think you know the answer, but I'm going to leave it up to you. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for this day. We thank you for another day where we can gather together as your people and as your body and and worship you and honor you and give you glory. Father, be with us as we strive to live gracefully in a graceless world. Be with us as we strive to be gracious in a world that is not fair and is not just. I pray that we would do this for our own well-being, but we would do it for others as well. I pray that others may come to know the grace of God as we know it here this morning, and that they may taste of your goodness. Father, we're so grateful for Jesus and all that he's done for us. We're grateful for his ministry. We're grateful for his life and his teaching, which we can learn from and apply to our lives. We're grateful for his sacrifice and his resurrection and the hope that he gives each of us this morning. We pray this in his name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you're in need of God's grace, if you need to respond to the gospel, you need to respond to the good news, consider that. Consider your life and and what you're doing with your life. If you're not a Christian, why not? If there's anything that we can help you with, If we can pray for you, if we can study with you, please come now as we stand and as we sing.